Hi, this is Ben Bova. I've written a lot of science fiction, and I think that I've devoted my life to trying to understand the opportunities and the dangers of the future. And if you listen to Sci-Fi Saturday Night, you'll begin to understand a lot of that, too. We will begin in mass invasion. Tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you've been guilty of witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye-bye Saturday night. You know, these true when Ben Bova says there's nothing more difficult and dangerous than sci-fi Saturday night. I, I can't disagree with him there. From a place in one of the dark corners of sub-level 6, deep in Area 51, hello and welcome to TalkCast 333, this week's edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Tonight, with a headache the size of a Saurian land hog, I am the Dome. Joining the talk cast tonight, some of the rest of the gang. In the Acton Tardist Reseeding Inferno, our technical anarchist. It's our own button-pushing, keyboard-clacking, sonic screwdrivering girl genius. More fun than a box of Japanese Oreos, it's Kriana. Two things I've realized so far tonight. Number one, it takes under 15 seconds for me to kick two cats out of my office. And number two, we should have done something special for episode 314. Hi, episode. What were we thinking? I know. What can I tell you? Missed opportunities. Mourn them now. Another one just again. A guy walks into a Comic-Con and says, Hey, where's the pseudo-cheese food? At that point, you know it's either Ron Goulart or our very own futurist and gamer. Returning from a weekend never-to-be-remembered events, our Midwestern correspondent, the guy who likes really shiny stuff, Awake by Java, who may or may not be at his microphone right now. No, I'm a, I'm here. I'm absolutely <laughs> yes, here. timing. Just, you know, I, the the real question is, what do you do when you're in space and you have no warp drive fuel? What do you do? Screw. What do you do? Die. Screw. You know, you fly. You you have to find a, a little planet and Settle go down, down and kill some of the local local creatures. Local delicious local Happy Meals, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Happy Meals in space. They even Nothing have smiles. So are you playing tonight? And if so, what are you playing? I am playing No Man's Sky. <laughs> Again? No, you're not. Yeah. You're not really still playing that. I am. I am still playing it. This is like a month you've been playing this game. This oh, is well, you know, that's because it's it's kind of like... I don't know. I don't know what to to compare it to. I've tried every week since I started playing it. It's just it's relaxing. Like I don't have I, what I've been actually playing is, um, no man or uh, Uncharted Four, but I can't play that during the show because it takes too much attention. There's it's pretty much just a movie that you that you <laughs> press buttons to. Gotcha. And so. Um, and so this this is something that doesn't take too much thought. I can I can just fly around in space and go mine some stuff and have well, a good you, time. You have fun with that. 
Yeah, I will. You know, when, when in The Wizard of Oz, they said, uh, pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Uh, we're going to meet the man behind the curtain tonight at a place called The Void. It's a place that we've been talking a lot about uh, with Tracy Hickman, because tonight uh, we'd like to welcome to the show Curtis Hickman. Curtis, welcome. Thank you very much. Uh, and you are, in fact, the man behind The Void. Um, I am one of the, I'll say one of the three men behind the void. There, uh, there's, uh, three co-founders and, uh, I'm the, uh, I'm the, the magic one of them. <laughs> <laughs> then you're the one we want to talk to. So, magic Curtis. Magic Curtis. <laughs> and we'll refer to you as that from this point forward. Um, we've been talking about the void for Three years now? Has it been that long? Yeah, I think it has been. And, and during that time, you know, uh, it's been in development and all kinds of stuff has been happening. For uh, our audience who's never heard of The Void before, which means they just started listening today, uh, let's talk a little bit about what exactly it is. Sure. Uh, so... The Void's virtual reality. Uh, well, let me actually back up even on that. The Void is hyper-reality, which is a form of virtual reality. Basically, um, we take VR and we map it over the physical world. Uh, so that when you go in and you see a wall, you can reach out and touch that wall. If you see fire, the fire is hot uh, to the touch. You can actually feel the, the radiant heat from the fire. You can go and uh, if you step into a damp cave, then you feel the mist and, and dampness of that cave. Uh, in the void, we do everything we can to truly immerse you in the environment and get to get you to experience this reality in a way for all of your senses, not just your eyes. Even and, smell. Uh, even including smell, that's correct. And, and, and the idea is to really uh, make good almost on the promise of VR. You know, I, I, when I first heard about it, when I was really young, I always imagined it would be like walking into a new world, you know, like something out of, uh, uh, something that would feel more like sword art online and, you know, less like, uh, you know, the, 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 the uh, headset. <laughs> <That's> your... Rift. <laughs> exactly. I mean, honestly, something that was way more involved and, and that, you know, that was to me the promise of VR and, and, that wasn't uh, that wasn't what the world got uh, uh, in the '90s or even recently, and so we started the void as a way to try and create that to to take people to new worlds and have them really feel like they're there. How did you do that? I mean, you know, where 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 did it come to the point where you went? Uh, I'm looking at Star Trek Next Gen, and they've got this holodeck, and I'm going, what you've got now is very, very close in scope and depth to what we were watching uh, on, uh, on television. Where did, you, where did you get from there to where you guys are now? Yeah, uh, you know, it's funny. We didn't start off, uh, Ken Brettschneider and I, he's, uh, so the, the founders are Ken Brettschneider, James Jensen, and myself. Um, and, and Ken Brettschneider and I were working on a theme park called Evermore. This is a crazy idea for a, a park that was basically an immersive theme park, uh, a place you would go to be immersed in the environment, uh, kind of like like a locker room, only an entire theme park based on that idea. 
so that you go from building to building, kind of creating the story as you went, and your phone would track your progress as a character and would alert uh, through Bluetooth uh, other things in the park to react to your character. And in this very complicated yet uh, honestly interesting and, uh, and somewhat amazing system would uh, allow you to sort of live these adventures. And uh, we were very excited by this. I was designing illusions and attractions and walkthroughs and stories for this park. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, Ken was, uh, you know, uh, not just, uh, of course, uh, the, the primary financial backer for that park, but also uh, just a, a haunt fanatic and, and lover of, of attractions, these sort of immersive attractions himself and was very influential in all that. So we, we were working on this, this, this crazy part called Evermore. And uh, as one day I was working on, uh, I needed a new attraction for one of the spaces. And James Jensen, who I uh, hired actually to uh, help design an uh, a iPad version of the park that we could give to potential investors and even run as a, a VR demo so we could go through the park, look around in it, and see our sight lines to get a good idea of what the park would feel like when we were there. Uh, was sitting next to me one day and I said, James, I've got a space in the park for a new attraction. I'm running low on ideas. What do you got? And James, who also has a background in visual effects, said that he'd always wanted to map VR onto physical stuff. And that, that'd be a really cool way to, to make like an, like an experience that you'd go through. And I said, is that even possible? And at the time, I mean, keep in mind, this is before any kind of tether-free VR, before lighthouse um, yeah, before all these things that are relatively common today uh, existed where a thought in anyone's head and he's like I don't know I think so though because in, in visual effects you, you do something similar and I don't know why we couldn't just do it so anyway we started talking more and more about it finally I took it to Ken and said Ken there's this this crazy idea um, but we think it might work could you you know let's see could you put some money into it and see if it goes somewhere and um, you know Ken uh, said yeah let's 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 tackle it let's jump into it and uh that was about three years ago and since then evermore has kind of been put on this permanent hiatus uh, as we uh have taken the void and and uh you know shown it to the world and um and it's going great so the void itself is an immersive experience that can last as long as your program for it lasts Correct. In fact, the, okay. the, the, the backpacks that we have, we call them uh, back tops, uh, since they're the computer backpacks. Uh, that, uh, in fact, we were the first ones to invent this as well, and since then other companies have, have kind of uh, decided that that was a good idea um, and tried to bring it to a more commercial space, and uh, I guess more power to them. But we, we invented these things we called back tops to allow people to, to rock around the environment untethered uh, with a computer just connected directly to their headset. We tried broadcasting the signal, things like that, but the latency was just too horrible. So uh, we decided it was just best to, to go direct from the source on your back. And, um, you know, it works like a distributed computing model. Everyone has their own version of the game, and then that goes through a network computer and allows people to share the game environment together. My head hurts. <laughs> really? I'm sitting here. After I'm, that? Yeah, Come on. Yeah, sorry. I know. I know. So in three years, you've taken what was essentially an abstract concept of, hey, we should try and do this to how many different 
setups do you and uh, not setups that's a bad way to say it how many different programs do you currently have in the void well we have uh, a number of experiences that we've built uh, the only commercial one right now is ghostbusters out in new york uh we'll be opening more stages uh uh with more experiences here um in the near future but we haven't announced anything yet although we're very excited and, uh, and, and so we've got one public experience, it's the Ghostbusters, but then here at the Void we have an experience that we built, built for the uh, TED conference in Vancouver uh, that's called The Curse of the Serpent's Eye. And that's, like Ghostbusters, is what we call an attraction stage experience. It's an experience that lasts about eight minutes long and fits within about a 30 by 30 foot space. Um, and uh, that's, you know, I mean, it feels kind of like this uh, Laura Crofty, uh, Indiana Jonesy kind of, uh, you know, one of those sort of adventure things, not unlike Uncharted, I suppose. Uh, and uh, we, so we have that experience, and that's, that's a blast, but that's, again, only by appointment and, and demoed here only at The Void currently. Um, as well as uh, we've had others in the past that we don't run so much anymore, but like where you're a space marine and you're kind of shooting spacey spiders and drones and things uh, like that. And uh, other just experiments that we've even done where we have like a low poly VR world that you can really wander around and get lost in. Uh, so we've, 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 we've experimented a lot and we have a number of experiences, but so far just the one that's public uh, out in New York. Now, Kriana. Yes. You got to experience that public show. Yeah, you got to be sad you missed that dude. I am. <laughs> I am. That was... It was ridiculous. First of all, it was ridiculous. I think you liked it. I mean, it's what I'm hearing. It was ridiculous. Okay. That um, means she liked it for yeah. all the old people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Java. It was off the chain. That only oh, works no. for now, people now of you're a very people. certain age. That only works very narrow range of ages. Um. Anyway. Yeah, so you get in there, and we're like, holy crap, what do we do? But there are lots of nice people around to tell you what to do, and you basically wander through the museum and take pictures with all of your favorite people who don't look quite like the people they're supposed to be, in my opinion. But Okay, so the the event is at Madame Tussauds Wax Museum. Yes. So you, you wander you through, through that. You go through the whole museum. Mm -hmm. And well, and you get up to a point, and there's just this little tiny. You'd miss it if you weren't looking for it. It's a little tiny alcove, and we said, "Ha ha, this is where we need to be." And then we got in line, and there were a few other people sort of waiting in the in the holding pen, and we got to watch um, some cool, cute little animations about how to have the gear and not to conk your partner on the head. And stay so far away from them if possible, which at times was not possible at all. And um, what to do if you needed help so that someone could come and rescue you. <laughs> 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 Throw you over their shoulder and like <laughs> fix it. Um, <laughs> the lovely attendant, I'm really sad, honestly, that I didn't get her name because she was so super lovely she said you know guys i've been through this every morning because we have to check everything every morning and every night at, before we open and after we close just to make sure everything's working she says i've been through this more times than i can count and i oh i've i see something new every time and it still blows me away and i'm like well shit this is your job 
Everyone knows, <laughs> right? Okay, jobs suck, right? Okay, you have to do something over and over and over again. You tend to start to hate it. But no matter how cool it is, right? Okay? Evidently not so. This no, time. not with not with this one. Not with this one. So we waited. We got paired up with another lovely couple. And um, we went in. And I like, I don't even know how to describe it. I don't want to spoil it too much. But... Well, I- how did it, how does it feel when you immerse yourself into a virtual environment? Really is disorienting it, uh... at first because actually, here's one thing, Curtis. I couldn't hear the people. They were trying to ask me if I could see, but I couldn't hear them because my head thing was already on and connected to everyone else's microphone so I could hear the other three people I was with talking but I couldn't hear the woman right next to me who was trying to adjust my thing to see if I could see but somehow we managed and we got it all set up yeah that's uh I'll call that a known bug um (laughs) it's in the tracker somewhere that's good that's good it it is actually I mean it's a a feature I mean you know uh (laughs) what are you gonna do the deal is, is that we we actually can talk to them over their headsets, and I'm sure there's some reason they're not doing that. But I got to find out what's what's up with that because we should actually be able to select the player, tap tap on their thing, and and, and have what we call tower talk to them and, and ask them these questions. And so it's that's one of the things we're working on is making sure that uh, we don't have to because those 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 earmuffs. You're right; those those headphones really do a pretty good job of drowning out oh, sound. Oh, they do a really good job. I was like, it felt like she was a hundred miles away until she like <laughs> yanked on me and shoved a gun in my hand, and I was like, "Whoa, what now?" And she's like, "Can you see it?" And I was like, "Oh, yes, I can, I'm a dude now." Okay. And my wife was also a dude. That was weird. That's weird. <laughs> that was weird. That's but um, yes, everyone was. Because you should be able to choose your gender and everything in in the uh, in the kiosk um, before you go in. And if they're not scanning your your ticket, then that doesn't always go th- doesn't always go through. And it uh, kind of depends on on the uh, on the I guess which version of the kiosk we're running. Um, that's another one of those things that we're working out. The voids, like these, are kind of the early days as we try and get. All these things uh, implemented and 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 running. Uh, oh, sure. Smoothly. I mean, it, I mean, like out of all the bad things that could have happened, right? Like, I kind of couldn't hear that lady. As far as things go, it's pretty freaking minor. I know, right? So, yeah. Something complaining, honestly. What's all I this? I mean, I, well, I was getting to the good part. I want to be like, this is my one tiny thing, and then I well, was blown I'm, away by everything else. But I'm going to fix that one little thing just for you. How no, about that? Well, look, let's not blow it out of proportion. It wasn't that big of a deal. <laughs> um, right. So, yeah. the game started. Yeah, and we walked into the room, and it was cool, and I immediately tried to touch everything. Only some things were actually touchable. I learned. Lunchboxes, not so much. That's the only thing I remember trying to touch and being really disappointed that I couldn't. I'm sorry. That's actually another interesting point. And and, uh, that's the way I like to put it is like this, because I think there's a misconception about the void. The the void's basically the opposite, uh, in in a way, of of augmented reality. Meaning that in augmented reality, we, we augment the real world with virtual elements. And at the void, we augment a completely virtual world with physical elements. And so it's never a one-to-one, you know, just like you wouldn't one-to-one augment a a physical, you know, the... Sure, you can't play with the set decorations, 
but anything that matters you can touch. But if you take your gun in your hand and you try and push that lunchbox around, you can do that. I did do that. Excellent. <laughs> also, I may have destroyed some cabinetry. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, just for funsies. Um, and, and then we, of course, got all sorts of Ghostbusters ghosts, and it was fun and, and bright and fast, and I was trying really hard to look at everything all at once, all the things, because it was just super cool. Like Oh, some, something for your listeners, uh, like when you, if, if you do happen to check this experience out, uh, please go in and sit down in the chair. Most people don't, but we put the chair in there hoping that people would say, hey, I wonder, and then sit in the chair just to see what would happen. See, but and, if you were uh, wrong at that point, <laughs> but do sit in the chair. Because uh, the other thing is the attendants are really good at not giving anything away. That, that's why I went for the lunchbox. She was like, try to touch everything. Just touch, see what's there. And I was like, okay. Oh. <laughs> but then, I mean, but it, once you're in there, it moves. Like, the story moves at a pace, and you just have to keep going. And if right, you don't, yeah. they make you. <laughs> <laughs> see, this is the thing. Magic. You put you put Kariana in a room. She's gonna break everything. I will. I will try. And I had a gun to do it with. So you had a proton pack. I did. It was great. It was great. And then the the doorknob was there. I think I yeah. I touched that doorknob and I was like, okay, feels like a doorknob. Simple enough, I guess. And then we went in the elevator. That was creeptastic. Yeah. Um, that was pretty good. We didn't realize till afterward that um that little girl was looking at all of us individually but after talking about it with my wife i was like no she was my wife was like did you see what she looked at me and i was like no she was looking at me and we were like ah i see what happened there so that was really cool we were like whoa that was cool yeah and that's the kind of thing that you can't do in a video game like what when you're all sitting on a couch. Nope. Right. Exactly. Unpossible. Exactly. The, rel- the relativity or the relativistic terms of, of the void, you can do some really fun stuff with. And I never even thought about that before. I mean, like it, like Don mentioned, we've talked about this with Tracy extensively. He does a way better job describing the experience than I do because I'm just, like, <laughs> ridiculous. Um. But but like I want to go back to like when when you want to touch things, the things that matter are there. Because then when we got to the scaffolding, I was like, oh no 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 no, because I am really afraid of heights. And my wife is behind me going, oh no 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 no. And I she, but then she bumped me from behind, and I reached out, and it was actually there. So I was like, well that's good. I'm gonna hold on to this for now. And and then there were gargoyles. And then we yeah. killed those, and that was awesome. Um, and then there was a giant marshmallow man, because I don't think that's really a spoiler. Because Not anymore. In the beginning, it would have been, but it's. I think it's out there now. I think so. But but what so- really struck me... No, don't, don't interrupt me. All right. Because I'd already talked to Tracy about using scent cannons after our visit to Spooky World and stuff. And then after we I got know. the marshmallow man and the toast of marshmallows came through, and I was like... Yay. It was just like the icing on the cake. I was like, well, this is very satisfying. I would do yeah. this again. Yeah. Somehow, the smell made everything worth it. I mean, not that it wasn't <laughs> anyway, but I was just like, well, if I wasn't happy going in, I am extremely happy now. Because it just yeah, made everything 
the, the goal as I helped design this with Tracy was to, I kind of had this checklist of, you know, what would I want to happen as a Ghostbuster? Like what, what, what would provide that experience, you know, and okay, I want to, I want to get slimed and I want to shoot stuff and I want to get scared and I want to, uh, you know, I want to blow stuff up and I want to fight Stay Puffed. Um, and I want to hear their, like the Ghostbusters theme and, you know, all these very specific things. And, um, you know, as you go through, you kind of go see this checklist coming to pass and how it influenced the nature of the experience itself. And that that very end um, uh, kind of moment is sort of the culmination of a lot of little little things that sort of erupt in this climax of amazing Ghostbusters-ness, you know, to at the end. And the, that little afterthought of the smell is, as you say, that, you know, we really did think of this sort of cherry on top just to say, and oh yeah, you know, you're in the void and, and you can not just feel it and see it and, and, you know, all these things, but in here, but you can, you can smell it and, and uh, it, it plays really, really big for people. It really, really did. Because I mean, all, all the other places, you're just kind of in a house or in the city. So even if there was a different smell, I wouldn't necessarily have noticed all that much. Right, right. Right, right there, it was just smell. like, yeah. <laughs> perfect. Not too much, not too little, just right. You missed the Uncanny Valley, perfect. It's really good. Absolutely. So, how did this actually come about? The Ghostbusters experience. Uh, so uh, you know, we'd been in contact with Sony, and um, they, honestly, we were just trying to figure out a project that we could do together, and and uh, it just seemed like such a natural fit. You're putting a backpack on anyway. You're putting this backtop on, and you're putting goggles on. And yes, Ghostbusters have goggles, and you know, we had these guns that we'd already developed for VR, these weapons, and so it made sense, like, okay, and all of a sudden we've got Proton Gun, it just, it, everything kind of fell into place, and with the, you know, the release of the, the film uh, being that July, uh, it was something that they were willing to kind of take a chance on with their IP to do something really cool for that, and it's just one of those things where the stars aligned, and Sony was so good to work with, we actually got it done in time, uh, which was uh, a chore to do. But, um, you know, the results speak for themselves. They really do. And and the whole the whole entrance to it, so like I said, we had to go through the Wax Museum, and I kind of glossed over the whole entrance to it. But, like, you get to a certain point in the regular museum where you're actually entering the subway, and you can see this on the Void website. But it's a little unclear from the website what's actually maybe in the experience and what's precursor and they have this little sort of mini museum inside the museum set up about this like haunted manor to sort of set up so it's like the line attractions at disney if that makes sense don't help me yeah it does to me absolutely so so like if you're going into the haunted manor you could read the gravestones you know you'll end up knowing a little bit about the family before you go in it kind of reminds me like the tower of terror Sure, and this did the same sort of thing, but in a lot more detail. Um, there, there was a, a payphone, and it said something like, answer the call, and it was absolutely ringing, and we definitely picked it up. And there was, like, static and voices on the line. It was really cool. They had lots of uh, UV paint that I got really nice pictures of. Um, and, of course, they had wax models of the ladies from the movie, and they had a hologram of Slimer that actually photographed nicely. <laughs> Um, and the and the spooky paintings, which are you know, 
necessary in that sort of a yep. setting. So yeah, Dussault's experience that they said they did a great job with it. It really uh, it it stands alone. I think a lot of people that just go for the the wax figures and everything will enjoy it, but it. It is also a really good precursor to the void, and, and even ties into the kind of the story of the experience that you're going through um, for those that are looking for that. Well, and Ghost, you're right. Ghostbusters was totally a natural fit for this with the backpack and everything. It doesn't even feel weird. You're just like, okay, I'm putting on the backpack, whatever, all good. And oh, the other thing was, <laughs> right before you go down the stairs to find the alcove, there's there's a player piano. Basically, it's a piano playing itself, and someone. I did not know, just going by me, looked at me and was like, that's the creepiest thing I've ever seen. And I just kind of was like, <laughs> really? This is the creepiest thing you've ever seen. Oh, okay. Well. So from a standpoint of, of the technology involved, you set it up at the Void headquarters. What's the difficulty in... Uh, well, dragging it up to Canada for the TED Talks or, you know, doing an installation in New York City. Technologically, what, what are the challenges involved in doing that? Um, it's a big process. Um, thankfully, honestly, it's not easy because I suppose if it was easy, then everyone would do it and I, I'd be out of a job. Um, it's, uh, it's a real, there's some real challenges to overcome when, you, when you're mapping a VR world and a physical world together. Um, accuracy definitely counts, and um, you know, sub-millimeter accuracy is what really counts. So you you have to you have to do your best to, to keep it smooth, otherwise people will get violently ill. And you have to do your best to uh, to make sure everything is constantly aligning the way it's supposed to, and which also affects the triggering of the experience. And, and it's really easy if you get it wrong to really, really the equilibrium is not. Oh good. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we had, you know, times where the, the, the we, while we were testing here that something would uh, crash or there'd be some, you know, game-killing bug that would occur and the screen would lock up as I'm walking forward and all of a sudden I'm moving but the screen isn't and I'd just, you know, about lose it and um, or vice versa where all of a sudden I'm moving and but and in, in VR but physically I'm not going anywhere and that disparity, especially once you get used to it like, like, like you do as when you work for The Void, uh, it becomes really uh, enormous. Uh, you know, you really are affected by it, and uh, you know our guests are too. So we're. Uh, it takes a lot of uh, proprietary engineering and, and software, and a lot of work to make sure this all the pieces come together to make this thing feel like a real uh, uh, cohesive and uh, safe, entertaining experience. The other thing I forgot to mention that that scaffolding shakes as you walk onto it, as if it's actual scaffolding, which is why I grabbed the. The railing. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It freaked Sombrarian out. It freaked her right out. <laughs> she grabbed me, which she was not supposed to do. And I think this is really interesting in the in the climate that we're we're kind of entering into with Google's announcement of their Daydream VR and their View headset and uh, the Sony VR coming out next week. Um, and the void is is way more experiential, and because it's it's mapped to the real world, you can do things that you can't do with the the home VR experiences that are available or will soon be available, like Oculus Rift and and Vive. I think you have um, to put those so, experiences in quotes. 
Yeah, well, I, I mean, it, they are their experiences. I've got a headset, um, and I take it. I took it with me to Christmas last year, and I put my dad on on stage with Bono, and he just he thought it was the neatest thing. But the 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 void is a completely different type of thing. So, so Curtis, can you talk about how you know that kind of um, how how to compare the two? Well, the the different types of VR and and where you think the void fits in the ecosystem that is being created by other companies as well. Sure, I, I mean it's kind of re- one of the reasons we started calling it hyper reality and sort of left the term VR aside. It, it it was too big of a of a disparity between somebody sitting at home with like a Gear VR, uh, you know, in their underwear on their on their couch watching a three sixty degree video and what you did in the void. Like they're two completely dramatically different things. And so uh, we, it's what we started using this term hyper-reality, which is actually, I mean, it's something you can look up on Wikipedia. You know, we didn't necessarily invent the term. Or the, uh, but it basically represents taking two realities and combining them to create one reality that is bigger than the parts are individually, or that is greater than the parts are individually, uh, which is what we feel like we do. We take VR, the magic of VR, and the reality of the physical world and combine them to create a new reality that is greater than the parts are individually and, and so we are in the business of hyper-reality. Uh, how that fits in, I mean it, it's interesting because we're working on SDKs and we're working on systems uh, so that we're not the only ones that can make content for the void. Um, you know, I, uh, We believe that there's a lot of great creative talent out there, a lot of great studios out there that um, especially as the void grows will want to develop for the void and uh, create unique uh, mind-blowing experiences um, uh, for people to that wouldn't be able to go through any other way, and so we're we're excited to to be able to start rolling that out here in the not too distant future. Which brings me to my next question: We have the uh, the the serpent uh, jungle adventure that you're currently running at your main headquarters, and we've got the Ghostbusters immersive event happening in New York City. What else is, I mean, I know you can't talk specifically about things that are coming up, but where do you see the void in five years? You know, uh, five years, I, uh, the way our model works out is that we have voids. uh, the, The company should expand pretty rapidly. And uh, the void should be readily accessible from just about any major location in five years, um, which is to say through one means or another. And there's lots of models, so whether that's a void experience center or even if it's just uh, something you go and visit in a mall or, uh, as part of like a, having taken over an anchor section of, of a mall or um, in, a, in a local theater that you, you, know, you go visit in a, in a large, you know, in a large city. Um, I really see the void expanding in the next five years to uh, to include these um, most of the truly major markets, especially tourist markets, uh, and uh, as well as even perhaps some secondary markets to go along with that. Um, not just uh, here in the U.S., but internationally as well. And you know, long term beyond that, honestly, the, the the goal is to is that this is a, a form of entertainment. And that the way the void does it is we just we just do what VR does in the home, only we do it to its furthest extent, to the 
and as technology evolves, the void evolves to continue to, to have the most and, and best, ex greatest experience you can have from this technology, from the, what technology has to offer. Uh, so that we're always kind of keeping up on the, you know, whether that's uh, adding a new kind of haptic vest or a new kind of uh, goggles or what have you. you know, the, the technology is adaptable enough in the void to make it uh, to to make it work with whatever's out there. So, uh, you know, eventually the, the the dream is that you wake up and you say, "What do you want to do today?" Like, "I'm oh, go to a movie," or "I oh, can go to go to the void," or "What do you want to do?" So we, essentially, is an entertainment center, just like a movie, as movie Cineplex would be, or as, as part of a an overall entertainment area. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, it's, it's I'm saying that badly, but movie. yeah. And instead, but the great thing about that, right, is like instead of having to fly uh, to Orlando mm -hmm. to go visit uh, Harry Potter World, it's like, oh, I mean, what do you want to do? I want to go to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Okay, great. We'll go down the block and we'll do that tonight because it's there and we can cast spells there and we can live in that world. I hadn't thought of it in those terms, but wow. That's, uh, yeah. Dome, I want to shake you. I know. No, I ah. want to be. This is amazing. And I mean, you know, it's. There's there's limitless ways of, uh, of, of storytelling that can happen here. Why do you think Absolutely. Tracy's so and excited? I, I, Tracy and I, the thing we talk about, as you might imagine, uh, I, I, my desk is literally right across from his. We share an office. And the thing we talk the most about is story and the approach that the void takes to story. And honestly, it's probably worth having him on the show yet again and having him um, talk about it since it's definitely his area of expertise. But just as a, a teaser, if you will, on my, my point of view and how actually the point of view of story the void started is that um, I don't believe in the void as a method of storytelling, um, which I think surprises people when I say that because I don't, uh, I, I, I mean that very literally, that, that the point of the void isn't to tell people stories, it's to get people to tell their own. Um, and the tools and things we create are for people to have experiences that when they leave that experience, they have a story to tell. Um, it's no different than me saying, uh, oh, you're going on vacation next week. Well, what's going to happen? And you could give me an outline of where you're going, what you're doing. But I said, no, what's your stories? You'd be like, I don't know. I haven't gone yet. Right? It's the same. I'm creating a new reality for you to go in, and I'm trying to provide tools and bits of story and bits of interest for you to go through and interact with so that when you come out, you tell me a story. Because and that's, that's the what difference you live. between the void and an Oculus Rift. I, I mean, that's... It's one of them, absolutely. Well, I mean, like, it's a fundamental yeah. difference in the point of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's the fundamental difference in the point of it, because it's the whole reason for being. So, at one, at one point now, what you're doing is telling stories, uh, either in the Jungle Adventure or in the Ghostbusters. In time, it's going to evolve to... Not specific storylines, but specific general areas in which you can go in and create your own stories. 
Well, so yeah, like another way to look at it is like this. Um, uh, you, you go in to Ghostbusters and people come in and they're like, I, I wonder, I wasn't really sure what the story was. And that's like, that's fine. What did you do? And, and, and to me, that's the interesting part. Oh man, well, I shot my buddy and he freaked out and like, you know, and they started telling me a story. <laughs> and I'm like, great. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. Could you have shot your buddy with a proton beam before? Like, no, I mean, this is something we were able to provide you with this experience that now you'll have the rest of your life of, I shot my friend with a proton blaster. And, um, you know, to me, that's as valuable a story as anything else you can get out of that experience. Even if they miss the whole overarching story of, uh, you know, of, of Gertrude and, and how she, why she's there, all these things. I mean, there's, there's story there. There is an event that is taking place around you. But the point of the experience isn't for you to understand the event that's happening around you. Th those that are looking for it can go through the experience a couple times and find it. But the point is for you to go through and have a story and experience something. And as we evolve, we'll just provide more and more tools for you to have those experiences and have an experience-centric piece of entertainment and not a story-centric piece of entertainment. That's amazing. That's that's freaking ridiculous. <laughs> it, it honestly, so just to go back like six months or so, remember when I was playing RimWorld? Mm -hmm. And I was like, this game is ridiculous. I'm using that word a lot tonight. But yeah, that, that was also sort of the point of RimWorld. It's like, instead of having a difficulty selection, they have different storytellers. And the storytellers aren't so much storytellers as story guides. And as you play the game, you're building the story of these colonists. And it's reflected in what they do and their attitudes towards things. For instance, if you have a colonist make a piece of art, they could go back and say, you know, if they do a really good job, it'll end up inspired by an event that had happened previously or something. And then you end up getting attached to these little tiny pixel people. And when they die, you could get really, really, really upset and write long stories about them for the internet. I have not done this. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> But in, uh, a, in a slightly different perspective, this also, this sort of attitude towards game making is becoming a little more prevalent, and The Void is obviously on the edge of VR games and sort of telling your own story. It's kind of cool. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I recently played, uh, finally played A Dark Room. Um which if you haven't played that is worth a, worth a look. Uh, and it's, uh, I mean, it's a little, I mean, I think they have a version on the web and then there's like an app version you can get for your phone, but it's ridiculously simple. Um, but they tell you nothing. I mean, I, I had to buy the game knowing nothing about it, you know? And um, you discover it as you go along and not just the gameplay and the dynamics, which are very simple, but uh, the story and, you know, again, the point of it is it's your interpretation of the events and not them forcing you to understand the events uh, like a like director of a film tries to. You know, it's really about your interpretation of what's happening and things like that, which exactly. I think is great. Well, and I think this is the this is the evolution of, of games as a as a medium, um, because the interactive the interactive nature of video games allows for storytelling um in ways that that traditional storytelling doesn't and i think you're right that that it's it's about 
I think game makers in the past five to ten years have started realizing that they can create experiences that are more about what a person chooses to do or chooses to focus on rather than what they want you to. And 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 that, I think that that's evidenced by games like Undertale. And, um, I tried and, to play that the other day, Java. I'm told he, I didn't yeah. get through the tutorial before I shot it off and walked away. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, I just and and it and it kind of it's it's very it's very neat. I mean, games are an extremely young. I mean, I mean, I always go back and compare compare video games to novels. Novels are only about 150 years old as a as a fully formed art form. And um, given where how far we've progressed with video game narrative and and allowing for the the unique nature of of games and, and interactive experiences to to develop i think i think it's the most exciting thing to happen to storytelling in a long long time <clears throat> definitely at least that's what i tell my students in my english classroom but it's not, it's, it's not just like storytelling it's more like story experiencing because telling still implies that like one-way relationship which is no longer true well, see, but that's not that's not always been the case. When when you go, no, back I know to, it hasn't, but it's starting not to be, and that's what's so cool about it. Well, and that was what the novel was. The novel was, I'm going to give you this experience, and um, you know, con- it it was a it was a measure of control over oral storytelling that that uh, you know hadn't been. Yeah, and you can interpret it in a number of ways, but only so many ways, right? And with these, you could just sort of do something else. Definitely an interesting conversation that we don't have time for in an hour-long show. <laughs> yeah, well, we're not... 45 we're not minutes into an hour-long by... show, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yes? We're no longer encumbered by uh, radio stations, so who cares? We can talk That's about true. it for the next six hours. <laughs> I don't know, guys. Uh, I don't know if I can do that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, my point is, I think, is that people who produce this type of entertainment are not so much ascribing their own meanings to events or to things that happen. And a lot of things are becoming more procedural in a way where that's not a bad thing, in a way where it gives you more ability to make choices and affect the world around you, be it, you know in a game or in the void. And I think it's going to be really fun. Can it happen faster? You know, uh, uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> like, <Exactly>. Let's go. <laughs> okay, I don't know, Curtis, if you ever read a book by Larry Niven called Dream Park. Dream Park, yeah. I've, I haven't, actually, it's funny you mentioned this. I'm actually in the middle of it right now. Ugh. Because what you're no describing, what you're describing, <laughs> is exactly what the the whole concept Larry Niven had behind Dream Park, and to me, you know, uh, I'm an old guy. <laughs> I'm really old, but and I read that book I think ten or fifteen years ago, and it's it just, you know, so cool from my perspective watching these things actually happen 
and and watching the whole show with a this is a an edition of science fiction science fact and so it kind of really is yeah because we've done this before curtis sorry don't we've done this before curtis with things like the space elevator Mm -hmm. um whereas you know obviously science fiction has now become okay someone's doing this Mm. how freaking awesome is that is somebody making a space elevator? I haven't heard that. Well, they oh, were yeah. years ago. I don't know if they still are. Don't, what were they called again? I'll look it up. Oh, God, I don't remember, to be honest cool, with you. Cool, I'll just Google oh. a space elevator and well, see what happens. I mean, when we were just today, in- Boeing said, uh, we're going to get to Mars before Elon Musk is. And um, one of the guys at, what was it, T-Mobile said if he got a, a hundred thousand, a million retweets on a tweet he did, he would send somebody to Mars. And NASA's going to Mars. So we got three, like, three major corporations that have dedicated themselves to getting to Mars in the next 20 years. I mean... You know you know who's going to get there first is the void. Because the void can take us to Mars in the next five years. That's, that's Probably. true. Probably. We have pretty detailed maps of it now, don't we? We absolutely <laughs> do. Well, and I can put all sure. kinds of green-skinned people on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> And Curtis, I give that to you. The next void event should be, let's go to Mars. So um, I think NASA probably would have to give it to him, not you. But I also believe Fox made a uh, like a Martian VR experience that uh, I don't know that you could check out. I guess if you're really itching to go to Mars. <laughs> yeah, it's not that. That's something. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I haven't seen it. Maybe we move on. Oh, good lord. <laughs> I mean, there's just, you know, infinite possibilities here, and, and it becomes less Liftport. of the story. Liftport, that's exactly what it was. Apparently they're Michael, still around. Michael Caine? No. Michael somebody. Sounds right. Yeah. Actually, that was a funny story, because we had Ben Bova on, and we were actually on the radio at that point, and Ben was talking about his latest book, which space elevators were a big part of. And halfway through the middle of the interview, he goes, they're making them, you know? Right. And I immediately, I immediately threw Holy the commercial. What and said, the fuck are you what saying? Do you mean ben Bova. <laughs> ben said, Bova. Yeah, who's up with the guy? He's been talking to me for years about it. Craziest thing in the world. Okay, so their contact so, I mean, does not work probably doesn't exist anymore. No, it doesn't. Yeah. It totally I, I bet exists. they got like 30 feet up and were like, you know what? We're never going to make it. <laughs> That's what happened when I when I climbed on top of Michael Keener's house when I was in second grade, man. We we thought we were about about to space and then we fell off. <laughs> the last the last time we spoke with him, they had leased an island in the South Pacific because of its proximity to a Lagrange point. And we're working with MIT uh, on the on the tethering lines. Mike Lane, does that sound right? Mike Lane, yes, it does sound we right. Him up again and see what he's doing because we should. Sorry, we're getting kind of off topic here. Yeah, booking monkey. I know you're listening to tonight's okay, show. Okay. Mike Lane, get on that. Let's find out where the space elevators are. I want my space elevators. Indeed. Uh you know, Curtis, we we could talk for hours, and I. I wouldn't force you to divulge, you know, all the secret information, which I'm not going to do because it's it's way too cool. Um, but don't yeah. scratch that interview request. 
Why? <laughs> well, on the Wikipedia page, it says that in 2012, they announced the launch of the Kickstarter for their lunar space elevator, blah, 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 raised $110,000. Backers haven't received anything, filing suit in Washington State, blah, blah, no interview, oh, fine here. <laughs> Carry on, nothing to see. Nothing to see here, let's move forward. <laughs> um, but yes, so, in summary, that was ridiculous. So, this, is, this is the coolest thing. Uh, I've seen it in an awfully long time. I'm not often speechless. To I can't, yeah, I'm not Kriana usually speechless. at a loss for words. I like to oh. talk, but well, yeah. just go there and do it because nothing that I tell you will be a replacement for that. How much longer is that uh, event staying in New York City? Uh, I mean, uh, it, the short answer is indefinitely, um, you know, but that as long as people are going, they'll, I'm sure they'll keep it running. So, uh, you know, go anytime, go check it out, go check it out right away. Don't uh, wait. You know, yeah. Yeah. Because literally nothing that any of us can tell you will be a replacement gonna, for actually yeah. going. It will be a thousand billion jillion ridiculous times better in person. I think you got a fan, Curtis. I'm, I'm not really uh, sure she liked it, but yeah. But it's funny. We we I hear I, we hear stuff like this a lot. And I, in the beginning days, I used to tell like guys, you know, let's back it off a bit. I don't want to oversell this thing. And and since then, I've given up because it's pretty much really uh, almost impossible to oversell the void. It's you will get really ridiculously fun. Your childlike sense of wonder. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting somewhere. Wow. <laughs> okay. Holy crap! Are you? I, I haven't. Now? I haven't felt this childlike sense of wonder. I can remember exactly the last time I felt it. it whenever the last time, okay, Dome, you're gonna have to tell me how old I was when we went to Disney World last. When I was like eh, teen, youngish, twelve, thirteen. Thirteen, yeah. Or are you sure I was that old? I'm gonna say eleven, twelve, but okay. No, because your sister was there and she was like five or six. Okay, fair enough. But remember when we went to um, that Future Inventions Pavilion? Oh, uh, at Epcot Center. Yeah, and there was this really, really giant thing that was the precursor to the e-reader. And I was like, I want one of those. Why is this not a thing? Why is this not a thing right now? And then I spent like 200 bucks of my own money when I was 16 to buy the Palm Pilot so I could, you know, find somewhere text files of books to put on it. And then I read them on that tiny green screen. Um, I never well. said I wasn't crazy. Look, here's, here's the thing from our, our standpoint. Um, this falls into not only science fiction, science fact, which I think is, is amazing, but this is like cool shit we love. And this is some of the coolest stuff I've seen, I've heard about in an awfully long time. I hope you'll come back and join us again. Uh, I, and I hope you'll come back when you have new things to report about what's going on with the void and where new stuff is happening and all that kind of stuff. Please, uh, the invitation is open. I don't know. Tracy's been taunting I'd me lately. I'd be happy to. I, I, uh, I uh, really appreciate you guys having me on the show. 
I'm happy to hear that Tracy's taunting you. I think that's probably a good thing, too. So. <laughs> He's like, I got something cool. I can't tell you what it is yet. I'm like, that's yeah. not nice. <laughs> that's really yeah. not nice, man. But, oh. no, you know, now now we have to book Tracy as well to get him back on the show to talk about this some more as well. We should totally do a father-son podcast where I'm where we each like take a turn and switch off sentences and stuff. It'll be adorable. <laughs> See, when we do that, have... Dome says I'm talking over him. No, you never do that ever. <laughs> Curtis, thank you so much, man, for joining us. We've been trying to get you on for a while. I'm glad we were finally able to do it. Uh, this is going to be a, a game breaker in interactive entertainment and immersive something i don't even know what to to call it it's ridiculous that's what i've been saying. it's it's ridiculous curtis thank you so much my pleasure so coming up in the next come of the week next couple of weeks on sci-fi saturday night next week ursula wong uh Wait, i don't get to read it anymore we actually have a coming up calendar now oh okay go ahead Fine. Okay. Yeah. So Ursula Wong, she's going to talk about her book, Amber Wolf. That sounds pretty good. Uh, on the 22nd, we have V.S. Holmes of Amphibian Press, and she's going to discuss the Travelers and the Reforged series. And on October 29th, we have Cameron J. Quinn, also of Amphibian Press, who's coming on to discuss her books, The Starsboro Chronicles. Are these all the horror of- film, horror books? No. No. They're, they're actually science fiction and fantasy. Uh, we cool. met them both Gonna have to talk to Booking Monkey about getting the horror writers on for October, but okay. I think we could, yeah. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic Con, Granite Con, Northeast Comic Con. Say hello to our friends at Super Mega Fest and booksandbooze.com and comicarthouse.com there's an awful lot of fans in there tonight yeah. visit comicarthouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists and if you have a free moment take a look at sci-fi saturday night's first anthology my peculiar family now on amazon our intro music production was provided by rob watts find more of his creations on robwattsonline.com our outro music was provided by lawrence made me cry Check out more of their grooves on, oddly enough, LawrenceMakeMeCry.com. I want to thank our guest, Magic Curtis Hickman, for joining us tonight to talk about The Void. It's an amazing, amazing, immersive experience. Check it out. We'll even send you directions on how to get there. Many thanks to the gang from the Acton Action Time Warp, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Priyana. That's me. Back from the shadows, which means six more weeks of con season. And oh my God, con season's getting longer every year. Thank you, Ju. Java. Um, where are the beasties? I can't find the beasties. Take a left at New Haven. This is Dome saying, Terry and Jeannie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. Oh, I know.